the Yankees are rolling along and the Mets keep swimming through more crap. They're 500 again. Seven to five. They just lost, in fact, to the San Francisco Giants. What the heck are we going to do? Can Marcus Stroman save this team? I don't know. Do you? It is downtown sports. I am the mouth of the South. John Schiavone, along with my co-host, the beast of the East, Jonathan Periente. This is downtown sports. This is where sports come home. And before we get into the MLB top 10, we have some housework to do here. Yes, we do. We need you guys to listen to the Digital Market Battle Special featuring Kenny Albert. If you're on this episode and you haven't listened to that yet, cut off this one, turn on that one, listen to that one, then come back and listen to this one. Tremendous because you don't want to miss that interview at all. Wealth of knowledge, my goodness. And boy, as now we are diving into the Pennant Chase edition of Downtown Sports. Pennant Chase Baseball is now where we are. We're down to the last 40-some-odd games of the year. you believe that already, how quick the season flies? The season, the season has just gone by like yeah. magic. It's like, poof, the season's almost over. Well, let's go into our MLB Top 10. want to thank our researcher, Tony Mainville, for providing this Top 10 for us. Uh, not too much change, a little shuffling around. We start with the number 10 team on the Top 10. And I'm still a little shocked they're at 10. The Yankees. Well, they should be. The number 10 spot. I uh, really disagree with that. The Yankees should be higher than 10. Well, after tonight, they might be. Well, they took game one of the doubleheader against the Red Sox, which was huge. And so far, they seem to be up one nothing at the end of three innings. For now. Game two. For now. Yes. So the Yankees being at number 10. You know what? It makes sense. They're still in third place. They're, look, they're a third place they're team in the top ten. Game. One game now out of the wild card. They're in. Look, the, tied in the lost column with Boston. They win the second game of the doubleheader. They're in the wild card picture, ladies and gentlemen. And do you know what? They would be the latest team in the wild card picture. There's five teams that make the playoffs out of each league. Yankees being number ten right now actually makes sense. All right, given their position. Yeah, tens about right. Playing, the whole team has been playing incredible. Judge hitting 417 in his last six games, 10 for his last 24 with three home runs, 11 RBIs. Jamison Tyone continuing his dominance, 3 0 with a 1.74 ERA in his last seven starts. His second half has been unbelievable. And then on top of that, Joey Gallo has started to pick it up with a bat of late. You're seeing even now some of the bottom of the lineup Yanks contributing. You know, Yankees just got back Garrett Cole and he. Came back with a vengeance, shutting out the Angels last night. Montgomery came back in the first game of the doubleheader today. Again, going to take a little time, but these guys are back, and the Yankees needed their main pitchers back. And Gary Sanchez coming back soon. He just Sanchez coming back. He came back in game one, so he's he is back. Rizzo's not far behind. He'll be back in the lineup in a matter of days. Urshela's not far behind them. So this Yankees lineup is about to be back at full power. Full strength, and hopefully they won't strike out as much as everybody who's at their full Isn't strength. It's funny how the Yanks have now been winning the games that they were losing earlier in the year, uh, blowing the games in the ninth inning. They're not blowing them anymore, except for You that know game. what? Boston has finally done what everybody said they were going to do, fall apart at the seams. And look at and what happened, and look at what happened in the ninth inning of the first game. Bases loaded, nobody out. Red Sox did not score. In the ninth inning against Loisaga. Yankees brought in for two innings of work today to get the save. Let's go to number nine on the top 10. It's the San Diego Padres. Wow. Well, yeah. The good news, they got back Fernando Tatis Jr. That's bad scary. news. But bad news, they are. They're falling farther and farther down this list. As to make matters worse, you Darvish was placed on the 10-day IL. Ooh, not As if they good. could not afford an injury like that. So yeah, now you have no you Darvish. No. Yeah, Will Myers has been hitting 333 his last six games. And yeah, Blake Snell in his last three starts has been 2-0 with a 1.59 ERA. But the Padres are at 10 games in back of first place. That's true. Yeah, a team that's 13 games over 500 like they are, you're almost shocked that they're in third place. Kind of right with the Yanks are. At one point, they were chasing the Dodgers for first place. 
It's incredible how much the NL West has changed. The Giants came out of nowhere. Dodgers right there at 73 and 46. And they're four games out. And you know what? Um, can I just say one thing yeah. about this? We'll, we'll, actually, I'll mention this later. I'll Pod- mention that later about the what Giants. About the but let's talk about the Padres. Yeah. Starting pitching's not there. Nope. The bullpen is not as good as advertised. Huh. And the only one holding up his end of the deal right now is Manny Machado. Yeah. Tatis has to come back into this lineup and inject life into it. Well, he did in his first game back. He uh, Only difference now, Tatis is playing in the outfield instead of that short in an effort to avoid having surgery at, to end his season on his shoulder that he injured sliding on. So playing him in the outfield will put a little less stress of making him make throws that could injure his shoulder. And you know what? Manny Machado is one of the better defensive shortstops in the game. Well, so they, they're good there. But right now the Padres just find themselves in a very tough spot right now. And they can't afford to fall any further behind right now. It may not even be like the playoffs are in their picture right now. Not the good. Reds are getting to that point where they could pass the Padres. It's scary. Well, we have at number eight, we do have a team with red in the name, but it's not the Reds. Add a O and an X to the end, and you got Red Sox. Yep, they're Red falling Sox, fast. Number eight on the top ten. And, yeah, amazing how far they've fallen uh, since the All-Star break, uh, really since the trade deadline altogether. The Red Sox are 14 and 16 since the All-Star break. Isn't that crazy? It is, and here's the other thing that's crazy. The only starter that's doing anything for them right now is Nate Evaldi. He's the only one going out there pitching good games. Everybody else behind him? And they just got back Chris Sale. They just got well, hope, Sale back. Well, he has to he has to be the Chris Sale of old. Well, he, had he, a he has to come back and just be like seven innings, no runs. Had, seven innings, one run. That's he what he needs very, to do. He had a very solid start in his return. Well, again, it was against the Garbage Orioles. So yeah. the Orioles. But the Red Sox, out of their final 41 games, are going to play 21 of them against teams with losing records, which Red Sox should win those games if they want to have any chance. But right now, yeah, the pitching has really uh, struggled. It's evident. You've seen it. The bullpen has been down a tick. Seems like adding those bullpen pieces may have hurt them a little more than it helped them. Adovino is down. He got hurt a couple days ago. Don't know what his status is going to be. Hansel Robles has uh, right now not really panned out. Hansel Robles has been Hansel Robles. Next, um, here's the other thing about the Red Sox. If they got those games against losing teams coming up 21 out of 41 of them, mm-hmm. if they they have to beat up on these teams, yep. not only do they have to beat up on these teams, they have to make sure Oakland is back. So do the Yankees. We can see a playoffs with three AL East teams in it. That's quite very much a possibility if Boston could get their act together and the Yankees keep going on the run that they're going on. This should be a very interesting run, and I'm very excited to kind of see where this, uh, where all this comes together at the end. Speaking of which, our number seven team on the top ten, we just mentioned them, the Oakland A's. They're yep. number seven, and the A's are still hanging tough. Uh, Matt Chapman has finally started to wake up with the bat. Uh, he had been quiet most of the year. He's now eight for his last 17, 471 in his last six games. Of course, Bassett has been the anchor of that rotation, 2-1 and one with a 2.25 ERA in his last five starts and very interesting point. The Yankees will be in Oakland next week. Very important potential wild card on the line. And they're seeing Oakland at the wrong time too. Oakland is also Oakland also is playing the white Sox right now. The Yankees just took two out of three from, I mean, big one. Those are games. Those are games. If the white Sox could steal a few of them, you kind of hope they do gives the Yankees some more life to getting into that wild card. True, but here's the thing. The A's are playing well. They've caught the A's at the wrong time. They're starting to hit their stride. They're looking like they can go on a run of their own. So when the Yankees play the A's, they have to beat the A's to make sure that, you know, that they're out of contention for this wild card. I think to win in Oakland, they've struggled in Oakland. The Yanks, it's not an easy place to play. I think it's going to be a dogfight between the Red Sox, the Yankees and the A's. There's two spots. There's three teams. 
That's what we're looking at, ladies and gentlemen. Two spots, three teams. And by the way, a fourth team in the Blue Jays could help their way in if they start winning some yeah, games. Yeah, don't sleep on the Jays. Do not sleep on them. They're not completely out of it yet. Number six on the top ten, the Houston Astros. Kind of interesting to see them in the number six spot. Figured they should be a little higher than six, but you that's know what? Just my opinion. They're falling down because of the fact that they're not as dominant anymore. Yeah. Like I said, the most inconsistently wonderful team in baseball. They have series where you think, oh, my God, they're unbeatable. And then they end up playing like this. Well, doesn't help that Guriel had been hurt for a while. They did just get Guriel back, which was a key piece of their lineup. Uh, Bregman is still not back yet. It'll be scary when Bregman returns. Bregman is the key to their lineup. Altuve sh- shockingly has uh, been struggling of late. He has not been hitting like an out like Altuve of old. But Altuve has always been a streaky hitter, so you expect mm, Altuve there he is to when go Altuve on. Altuve was hitting three hundred a year. You you always expected Altuve to hit around three hundred. You always expected Altuve to give you multiple hit games almost every night. Again, he's had some injuries that he's worked that he's playing through, but also. Altuve is 30 years old now. He's 31. This is around the age where people like him, the production starts to decline. Well, that's why they had Gurriel and Bregman there. Um, But without Bregman, you can't deal with an Altuve slump. And Altuve does go through slumps, but then he comes back and starts hitting three or getting three hits a night, four hits a night. That's who Altuve is. But there are times he'll go like 0 for 35 with like 30 strikeouts. That's a rare thing. But yeah. But right now for uh, for Houston, it's been a Lidmus Diaz who's carried the lineup at this point. He's hitting 429, 12 for 28 in his last seven games. And Zach Ranke's anchored the rotation 3-0 with a 3.180 array in his last five starts. So Granke is still the key cog in that rotation. And again, you really miss Verlander if you're the Houston Astros, not having yes, Verlander you as your second one-two punch. And when he does come back, what Verlander are you getting? He's going to be 38 years old. Not too many players always come back from Tommy John the same or even no, better from it. No, Not at 38 don't. years old. Well, Verlander might be the best pitcher of our time. So uh, of our generation. So, I mean, that's what you would expect out of him. Number five on the top 10 and just freshly off the Yankees taking two out of three from them. And of course, the epic field of dreams game. The Chicago White Sox are number five. Jose Abreu, in his last six games, is hitting 435, 10 for his last 23. And Lucas Giolito, despite his inconsistencies, has had a 2.92 ERA in his last six starts. But you definitely saw something here in the White Sox when they play one of the teams at the top of the division, when they play a big boy team. You notice something in that series with the White Sox? Did you look what happened to Lance Lynn in the Field of Dreams game? Mm-hmm. He didn't play. He didn't pitch like a Cy Young Award winner against the Yanks. He went only five innings and gave up four runs. And very lucky that the White Sox walked off that game because the bullpen got lit up. Liam Hendricks. What happened to Liam Hendricks in that in that entire series? Yanks were lighting up Hendricks. The Yanks were lighting up Kimbrel. The back ends of this pen that you know the White Sox against lower teams will blow them away, but against the top teams. You have to start kind of asking yourself, are they prepared for what's what's ahead of them? They tend to take care of business when it comes to the Red Sox, when it comes to the Rays, when it comes to play the race. They got to play the Rays in Tampa coming up. That's a big one. That is a big one for them. Um, They take care of business against the AL West as well. So the Yankees seem to be that one sort of kryptonite ish type team. But even on this big Yankees run where the Yankees are beating teams left and right, I believe it was like, what, 16 out of their last 21 games before today they won? Yes. So now it's 17 out of their last 22. They after tonight, it. it'll be 18 after their last 23. Did they hang and on? they'll be in the second wild card tied with the Red Sox. Yeah. But this is interesting now for the White Sox because I'm a little concerned. Again, Against all the other teams, I've seen the White Sox dominate. I've seen that. Remember, they lost that series to the Yanks. They also lost two out of three to the Twins. You have to be a little concerned if the White Sox, if they play down to opponents, I know they're way ahead in that central, but 
that could have a carryover effect into the playoffs. Well, at this point, what the White Sox need to do and what they're trying to do is set their rotations up, get their hitters, you know, time at the plate, give everybody a chance to play, give everybody a chance to be fresh. The White Sox have a sizable lead in the ALS, AL Central. So in all honesty, like I said before, I think the White Sox are the team that goes to the World Series. They're the most complete team top to bottom. Despite what Hendricks and Kimbrell just did, they are the most complete team top to bottom in the American League. I believe that. I believe Giolito knows how to pitch in the playoffs. I believe Dallas Keuchel knows how to pitch in the playoffs. I believe that Lance Lynn will get it figured out at least well enough that he could give you five, six innings and three runs oh, in the sorry, postseason. Yes. He just had that, that he just had that one start. The Yankees were just, you know, able to, to get to him. That was just how that was. But still against top opponents, that's where, you know, the White Sox, I think, need to kind of prove themselves. They need to beat those those top teams. They have to beat the real big boy teams at the top of the division. Well, we're going to see the Rays. We're going to see oh, the Rays. They're going to see the White uh, Sox, yeah. The White Sox are in the middle of that series with Oakland. That's big. They took the first game. Great. Then you go to Tampa. Then you go to Toronto. Two very tough games there. Then you have some weaker opponents. You take on the NL Central for interleague play. Then they got to play the A's again in Oakland. They have to play the Red Sox at, at home. Then you have Red again. Sox will be playing for their lives too. They got to play the Reds at the end of at the end of September. That's, that's gonna, not good. That's murder. And then you know the Tigers have been playing somewhat better, and the Tigers are going to be a team that could play spoiler. So the White Sox don't have a very easy schedule they don't have a very uh free easy schedule they have some tough games there and a couple losses here who's and there. catching them though no no one's gonna catch them in the division so at this point, point can they beat a real team that's what i'm worried about i think they are i think they're more worried about beating a real team in the postseason than they are in the regular year i think that's where the way the white Sox are thinking at this point let's go to number four on the top 10 it's the tampa bay rays Randy Rosarena hitting 368, seven for his last 19 in his last five games. Ray should be higher. Shane McClanahan, 3 0 with a 295 year rate. I am a little surprised. Ray should be higher on this list. They should be at least maybe three, maybe even, I'd say three at least for the Rays. That's where they should be. They could be one at this point. They really could be because they're on the same type of run that the Yankees are since the All Star break. They're going out there and they're taking care of the same record as the Yankees. They're 25 and 11. They're 25 and 11 since July 6th. So, like I said, they're taking care of business and they've been taking care of business all year long. They've been consistently winning series. They never went on like big, like winning streaks, maybe a two, three game winning streak here, four game winning streak there. They haven't won to the level that they're winning now, but they were consistently taking series two out of three. And then you add that on top of what the Rays are doing now. They're looking like they could run away with this. I've talked about the Rays so many times. They're such a great fundamentally sound team. They have just a great knack of hitting in big spots. They have a great knack of quality pitching. Even if the starters don't go deep, they have a pen that can cover for those innings. Remember they invented bullpenning. This is the, the Rays invented the art of bullpenning games. Yes. And it's been, something that they've kept with them. And speaking of which, they just added another bullpen arm. You might remember David Robertson, right? Yes. He's a Ray now. Got him as a waiver claim. Uh, Robertson had just pitched in the Tokyo Olympics. So got a chance. And now here he is going to be with the Rays at 36 years old. And another reliever, Tommy Hunter, they picked up from the Mets when he was in their minor league system. These are guys with postseason experience. And do you know what else the Rays are very good at? Just really quickly. Yep. They are good at taking their minor league system and putting it to work to churn out major league players. Because I believe in the minor leagues, each of these players know what role they're going to fill when they go to the majors. They're unlike other farm systems. This farm system trains you to be a major league baseball player. You're not there to hit home runs and then, you know, get like traded off to a team that has nobody to get their one star. And then, you know, you're just a trade chip. No, the Rays all basic prepare you. It's fundamentals. And they prepare you to be a part of their team to fit their mold. Exactly. And the players seem to go and run with it. It's incredible. And it makes it work. Let's because it, there's proof. There's proof to success. And everybody in the Rays minor league system can look and say, you know what? 
I'm here. I could play in the majors if I just do what I'm told. Absolutely. Let's go number three in the top 10. And I think it's an appropriate team to be at three, the Milwaukee Brewers. Number three and number one in the National League Central. Eduardo Escobar, who was added to this Brewers team, is hitting 10 for his last 26 in his last six games, 385. And again, the top three of their starters are number two, three, and four in the National League in ERA. Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, and Freddie Peralta. And now they just got back Josh Hader just recently from COVID. So now they have their bullpen back to where it was. And basically, if you let the Brewers, excuse me, if you let these Brewers score early and in bunches, you're not going to win. No, That's how dangerous the crew is. Here's the thing. They could pitch. They got a bullpen. They could hit. Isn't it funny how the two teams atop the two central divisions look like they are the most complete? Between the White Sox and Brewers, it's a very interesting debate. Who is the more complete team out of the two? You know what? You might find out in the World Series. Don't sleep on the Brew Crew. Everybody's looking at the Dodgers. Everybody's looking at the Giants. The Brewers have constantly had history of of going on incredible runs in a playoff. We've seen it the last couple of years with them. By the way, don't sleep on Philly if they make the postseason. I'm not either. I'm actually more surprised the Phillies are not even here. I would figure they would have been 10th on the list. Or Atlanta, Atlanta for that matter. Well, Let's go to number two on the top 10. It's the Los Angeles Dodgers. The world champions. Will Smith hitting 368, seven for his last 19, three home runs and eight RBIs. Walker Bueller, four and one with a 1.17 ERA in his last seven starts. And Will Smith, of course, hit those three home runs during a visit to Queens last week. I mean... The Dodgers, one of the best teams in the game. I believe one and two are, with respect, that's correct. The one thing about the Dodgers that really just drives home the fact that no matter what they're going to beat you is they have quality major leaguers that could start on any other team, and I mean any other team, on their bench, waiting for a chance to play. Almost kind of shades of what the Yankees do, it seems like. They always or what the Yankees already. used to do. Well, they've proven, though, they've had some, they've been pumping out some guys from the minors that contribute right away. We've seen it. The farm system is for sure, yeah. but the Dodgers, the Dodgers. The Dodgers have a very solid farm of their own. We've seen it. Yeah, but their major league bench is True. full of quality players that would be starting on any other roster in the league. They spend the most money in the game and they've taken some players that were discarded to the scrap pile and they come over to the Dodgers and the Dodgers find a role for them. And it's really incredible how they kind of take it and go. The only team that's more incredible. And I I, I don't have the list in front of me, but I'm going to guess number one, it's the San Francisco giants who the Mets are playing at this current point, who just beat them seven to five. And the nail in the coffin, and I think the nail in the coffin to the Alderson regime, mm. in my opinion. The Giants, Brandon Crawford sitting 429 in his last seven games. Kevin Gosman, who beat the Mets the other night, fifth in the National League in ERA. Well, here's the other thing, right? Yeah. How did that game end the 7-5 to five, uh, loss for the Mets? Well. I wouldn't be surprised if it maybe involved the Mets running themselves out of an inning. No, 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 no. You know what it involved? Please. Chris Bryant. Isn't that the biggest kick in the nads to every Met fan? Because we all wanted him. And you got the other Cub in Hobby Bites. And we didn't even get Kimbrel with him. So we got the one Cub we didn't want. And now he's hurt, along with Lindor. And Chris Bryant is in San Francisco to literally be in a lineup with Posey, with Longoria, with plenty of others. And this team, giant team, is they are just, I don't know how they're atop an NL West that contains the Dodgers, but somehow 
They're not hitting as many home runs as other teams. Their offense. They don't even play in a hitter's friendly park. They play in a pitcher's park in San Fran. That's a pitcher's ballpark. Home runs don't really fly out of that park ever. Exactly. And San Francisco knows how to use that park. And uh, let me give you the Dodgers. Uh, I I was actually watching this today and I, I was looking at the pretty much the whole month. Each month the Giants have played and what their record's been each month. Right now in August, they're 12 and three. To start the year, they were 18 and 10 in April. They've maintained, with the exception of one month where they went 15 and 10, the Giants have played 600 ball each month. 35 and 9 in series this year. That's why they are at 76 wins. That's why they only have 42 losses all year. That's why they're the number one team in baseball. They go out there and they win every series. They one of the best contact hitting teams in the league. They, this team just constantly gets runners on. They never feel like they're out of a game. And even though they don't need to score a lot of runs, they don't need to score a lot of runs. As long as they pitch good enough and they can squeak out maybe three, four runs a game, they can win four, one games. They can win four, two games. And they can just find keep they just keep finding ways to win important games like these that can really test you come playoff time. Can you win games in the crunch? Sandy Alderson, I want you to take notes as the Mets play the Giants. I want you to see the way that they go about fielding. I want you to see the way they go about hitting. And if you in this offseason cannot produce something that could mirror what the Giants are sort of doing, because that's what you're trying to do in a pitcher's park in City Field. You want to replicate the type of team the Giants have. I want to see Steve Cohen, and I heard he's going to try to spend some money to look for a very good uh, maybe next GM for next season. And he's looking for some people. Maybe a, a Theo Epstein could be a nice uh, idea for a Yeah, kick Alderson back kick Sandy back to the retirement. Home, I want to know that Steve Cohen is going to be like George Steinbrenner. Is he going to, is he going to be someone that I don't tolerate losing? I don't tolerate seeing a losing product on my team every year. And I'm going to do something about it to make sure we get all the appropriate pieces to win. I want or, all the good qualities of Steinbrenner, not the bad ones. Yeah. But Steinbrenner, and you have to admit this about him. I know people are always going to say things about him. Oh yeah. He abused free agency. Oh yeah. He did this and this. And yeah, was he was he perfect? No. And he was but, like, he, but he was determined to always win at all costs. He His was the bane of failure. Billy Martin's existence. He was the reason the Yankees were terrible. In the and 80s. he kept bringing Billy back. Yep. Bring him, him back to fire him because he wanted to fire him again. He thought firing him once wasn't enough. He had to fire Billy Martin three times. Yeah. But when the Yankees were struggling, they needed Billy because he was that fire that the team needed to get them winning. Yep. That's isn't that funny? And, and then Steinbrenner and Tory going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth still. But look at that success. And Cohen, to me, seems like a fan who doesn't know what to do with his fantasy team. He's better to learn. And he'd better learn quick. When we come back, a four-piece combo, MLB style, all MLB two-hitter. Beautiful. And we have some more housework to do for the Downtown Sports Podcast. Find out right after this. And we're back to downtown sports. I am the beast of the East, Jonathan Pariente, along with my co-host, the mouth of the South, John Schiavone. want to thank Tony Mainville for our MLB top 10. And now we're about to dive into Chris's Asian style, Major League Baseball four piece. But before we dive into that four piece combo, where can our listeners hear us now? On Anchor, Breaker, Spotify, Radio Public. Overcast, Pocket Cast, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Castbox, Bullhorn, Podbay, Listen Notes, Verbal and Podcast Addict, 14 different platforms every single week, rants, interviews like the one we just did with Kenny Albert. Go check that one out. If you didn't listen to the instructions in the first part of the show, 
Stop now. Go to the Kenny Albert episode. Listen to that and come back. This episode will still be here. All and right. you, you want to make sure to do that. This is downtown sports. We are sports come home and you're on vacation at some point next week, right? Yes, I will be in Philly. So I will be going to a Phillies game next week. Mm. I will be at I will be at Citizens Bank Park. And I will be seeing the Phillies take on Tampa Bay next week. So I'll get a front row seat of the Rays and see what uh, really we'll see what what's uh, what what made them some one of the top teams in the American League East. Why are they so dangerous? Well, I'll be there to take some notes down and I'll share them with you when I return. On a special Thursday edition of Downtown Sports. But what about Tuesday or Wednesday? We'll be a special Digital Market Battles edition. And while I will not be here, one of our own will. Somebody the that... premiere of Girl Friday. Tanya Williams, our producer. She was a former host at 103.3 The Edge. She has radio experience, broadcasting experience, and she's been looking to talk some NFL for a long time. And now we got a preseason top 10 next week, digital market battle special. You're going to want to check that out on Tuesday. But right now, yes, because you've come back from the Kenny Albert interview, I trust you guys. Time for the four piece, our Asian style combo. And we begin with, well, as we begin with all appetizers with Chinese food, a delicious soup. How about a hot and sour soup? If we well, don't it's mind. Asian, not just Chinese, but Asian. definitely a hot and sour soup. Yeah, well, it'll be a mix of different Asian cuisine. What do you say? We, we do have a whole different mix in front. Of, I'm, I'm, that's what I'm looking at here. All right. We'll begin with the Chinese food. It's our hot and sour soup to begin things. Mm-hmm. And our very first question from our man, Chris DeLarge. Is it time to give the Toronto Blue Jays and Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who has the Inside track to be the American League MVP. Respect. Could the Blue Jays maybe even get into the wild card? This is an interesting one. And if Boston keeps falling, maybe the Blue Jays can squeak in. Maybe, but that would take Oakland falling. That would take the Yankees or the Red Sox to falter. Right now, the Blue Jays, as far as in the American League, are eight games out of first. They're 63 and 54 right now and currently are getting blown out by the Washington Nationals at the current. That's no good. To also make matters a little tougher, George Springer's back on the IL again. Not good. And had and you saw how immediate his impact was when he came back from an injury, from his previous injury. And right now, when you have discomfort in your knee, complaining about discomfort in your knee at this stage of the season. You can't hit, you can't run, you can't be in the outfield. So now, basically, George Springer is going to be relegated to the DH role when he comes back. He's not used to doing that, doesn't want to do that, wants to be in the outfield. That's why you signed him. But, unfortunately, he's not going to be able to go out there and run the way you need him to to play in the outfield. So now, the DH spot is permanently locked if you're the Blue Jays. Even when Springer comes back, if he comes back, because these knee injuries can be tricky. They can take time. They can, like, I personal, I can tell you from knee injuries, they could get swollen again in a matter of like a week. It could be fully healed and bang, you step the wrong way. Your knee's swollen up again and you might need surgery. So the Blue Jays are probably going to avoid putting Springer in the field for the rest of the season. So now you've downgraded your defense. But what I will you need say, Springer out there. But what I will say, the rest of the lineup, despite the injury, the whole Blue Jays lineup itself has been very solid. And I think if they can give themselves some pitching and maybe another hitter or two in that lineup, that Blue Jays team is going to be scary for years to come. And that's the great beauty of it. They have such young talent that's already blossoming before our very eyes. But it's not going to happen this year. Not this year, no. And if... If the Blue Jays manage to make the postseason, then yes, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. will be the AL MVP. He's already if the Blue Jays make the playoffs. I think even regardless if he does or not, Vladimir Guerrero, I think now has finally arrived in Major League Baseball. And now I'm beginning to see every bit of why he's just like his dad. He can hit just as good as his dad. If not, I think better. That is scary. It's scary. I, that, it's beyond scary. His power is like even more 
his power rivals even better than that of his own father. Oh, Yankees, your window is closing. You better get it done this year. Because if you don't, you're going to be dealing with a division that has four teams vying for three playoff spots. Let's go to the next dish of our four piece. You know what? From Chinese. Let's go to another. We got some sashimi in front of us here. A Japanese sashimi. Sashimi. I love it. Our next question. Between the two teams in in the AL Central, the Royals or the Twins, which one has been the most disappointing? That would be the Twins. You would say the Twins. Yeah, because generally every year they stick around. They're always involved. They're always at the top of the division. And they're always really competing. Like every year, they're either in a postseason, they're in a wild card, they're in the lead for the division. They're doing things. But and with that offense, you expect them to have a better record. But they wasn't don't. this team known as the Bomba Squad at one point? I mean, you had yep. uh, Nelson Cruz in the middle of that lineup. You had well, Polanco now he's a Ray. Yeah, you had Polanco down there. You had mm. you had all you had at least five or six. Miguel Sano when he's right. You had a dangerous five, six hitters in that lineup that were gonna hit 20 home runs. Well, it's incredible how they fell off. Josh Donaldson, they added him to be that extra bat to give him a little more punch in the lineup. And even though now the, the twins have been winning some series of late, it's too little too late for them. They're 14 games under 500. Yep, not gonna happen. No way. And the Royals, too, although eh, I really didn't expect the Royals to do well, too much I mean, the this Royals, season. Uh, the Royals made moves that I thought were going to maybe make them a threat. I mean, you got Andrew Benintendi. You thought that was maybe going to provide some stability in that lineup. Whit Merrifield was coming off a, another solid year. Salvador Perez was back healthy. You figured at least, hey, that's three good hitters in the lineup right there that could, hey, carry the lineup a little bit. You have some other guys in there that could score. The pitching has been a big disappointment. The pitching has not been good. Bullpen's not been good. And you see what happens when they fall behind. If they fall behind in a game early, they're not going to win. It just and Benintendi got hurt quite a bit this year. and He's not even been hitting this year. He's hitting under 250. When have you nope. seen that out of Benintendi? Well, when have you seen that out of a lot of these hitters? A lot of these hitters have who usually have batting averages of 300 or more, or at least 280, 290. Guys who were hitting 290 are now hitting 230. Uh, Look at Michael Conforto if you need any more proof for that. Uh, It just, guys have not been hitting. The pitching has been much better this season. But, you know, the Royals are unfortunately not participated in that good pitching. And that's why they're in the position that they're in. Next, we have some pad thai. Ooh, yummy. This is, uh, I think this Vietnamese. Uh, from Thailand, pad thai. Ah, uh, Thai cuisine. Excuse me. I don't know why I got that mixed up. I don't I, I'm know. thinking of ban. Oh yeah, ban me. That's that's. Vietnam. If you've never had pad thai, I, I, you're gonna have pad thai the next time we okay. actually okay. see each other. I'm gonna get you some bad pad thai. Now, our thai cuisine. So our thai cuisine question, and this is concerning the leaders in the division. Yeah. Division leaders, as of this moment, and technically right now for the National League East, it's the Braves who are in first place, not the Phillies. Mm-hmm. The Brew Crew in the National League Central, the Giants in the National League West, the Rays in the AL East, the White Sox in the AL Central, and the Astros in the American League West. The question is, which of the current six divisional leaders are likely to keep the lead in the division or end up losing the lead? Who loses it? Which well, team lose the lead or maybe keep the lead? I got a question. I got, well, first off, team that's going to likely lose the lead is the Braves. I don't see, without Acuna Jr., I don't see them winning this division. I think the Phillies are primed to go on another run. I think the Mets can be primed to go on a run if they start to get their act together. You have to admit, though, Ozzy Albies has really carried the Braves over the last couple of weeks. And, you know, everyone thought, yeah, the Braves were finished. They were going to be dead. They were not going to be going anywhere. But it's incredible how Albies picked up the bat. You've seen Austin Riley pick it up. Dansby Swanson's been hitting the ball better of late. And it's Heck, even some of the additions they made to their lineup have helped. Adding Jorge Soler, adding Adam Duvall, getting a couple pieces into the bullpen, like adding Richard Rodriguez to shore up the back end of their pen. The Braves are not a pretend team anymore, guys. 
and depending what their schedule is going to be for the rest of the year, the Braves have a very good shot at making a deep run in the National League East. And we've seen Atlanta make it into the playoffs on runs like this before. Yeah, but if you look at the rest of these divisions, do you honestly see anybody here losing their spot? I think the Giants could lose their spot, possibly, if they, you know, play. Well, they're going to have games left with the Dodgers, I can assure you of that. And they have games against, uh, they still have to play the Mets once more, but in Los Angeles. So that should be very interesting. The Braves, as you look at the Braves, the Braves are going to have a very similar schedule to what the Mets are going to go through literally in about another week. Right now, they're facing the weekend of the schedule right now. The Marlins currently now, the Orioles are next. Then they have to play the Yankees for two games. Mm-hmm. Then here's where it gets tough. Do- Giants on the road, Dodgers. Sorry, the Giants at home, Dodgers on the road, then out west for the Rockies. Then they got to play the Giants again in mid-September. The Padres to finish off the latter end, and then you finish up September with the Phillies, and then you end against, well, I think you could take a guess who the Braves are going to end the year with. The Mets. Amen. That's so, not an easy one. Braves like I said, I think the Braves are the most likely to lose their divisional lead. In fact, they could lose it tonight if Philly wins. Yeah. For me, I think the Phillies could be the likely team that could take the National League East if everything goes right. They have the weakest remaining schedule left. And here's the one team that will remain the division leader. The White Sox. Yes. I completely agree. And then on a like a 1A sort of tier here, the Brewers. We, we mentioned it before. Who's catching either of these teams right now? Well, the, the Cardinals have started to heat up. They're, they got back Jack Flaherty, and that's big for them. Cardinals have been starting to win games now, and the Cardinals this is always where they kind of turn it on late in the year. The Reds, I would not sleep on the Reds. They're very not sleeping on the Reds, but I, I think the Brew Crew is going to run with that division. Well, right now, the Brewers are in firm control. My curious question is when they have to play, is how many more games do they have left against the Reds and the Cardinals? The Reds are only seven and a half back of the Brewers. The Cardinals, yeah, they're 10 back. But as you look at the wild card, I'm going to pull that up right now. Oh, my dear friends, the wild card is a very, very different story. In fact, the Reds are just a game and a half out of the second wild card the cards are just four back the dodge the padres currently have the second wild card at this very moment but as we said the, the padres are slipping and slipping very quickly so like i said Either i think the brew crew is keeping game. that title okay the rays are very i think they're solid at the top of the al east but with the way the yankees are playing if the rays falter just a little bit Yanks can catch them. For so me, they're all- not safe. The Astros are definitely not safe. Oh, no. Have you seen Have you seen how close the Oakland A's now have closed the gap in the American League West? They're just two and a half games back of the Astros. However, the most unsafe team, aside from the Braves in first, mm-hmm. that would be the NL West leader Giants. Even though they're the best team in baseball, the Dodgers are right on their heels. Yeah. Let's go to our final of the four piece our final question and this is going to be our uh big uh kind of dessert finale and uh i'm trying to think of a good asian dessert to wrap this baby up you know what a fortune cookie with some green tea ice cream how about that sounds good to me on the scale of one to ten where would you put the mets after losing the national league east to the phillies and Again, should the Phillies, of course, take the National League East at the end of the year, where would you put the Mets on a scale of 1 to 10 if they were to lose? You know what? If they were to lose the Phillies to the Phillies, I'd put them at a negative 10 because this division was the Mets to take over all year long. And isn't it ironic that now the Mets are at 500 now? This team was once... They were hovering around seven games over, and again, we're in firm control. And now if the Mets lose tonight, they fall below 500. Not good. Not good at all. And the big question everybody's wondering, right? What happened to this team? That's like the question everybody's got. What What happened to this Met team? 
You want to know what's happening? Please. The loss of DeGrom is big. There's no stopper in that rotation to prevent losing streaks. DeGrom literally went out there and gave your team a reset every time out. Stroman, as good as he's pitched, is not DeGrom. DeGrom can go out there and give up zero or one run in seven innings. That's what he does. And then he hands it off to a bullpen that when they have a lead can hold it for the most part. For the most part is the key word. And what has happened with the return of Carlos Carrasco? Well, what's happened to old cookie? He's got to get back into it. I mean, unfortunately, when you're in, when you're in the hunt, you're in a, a thick of a race at 40 something games left to play. And now Carrasco's back and, you're hoping he he get you get back the Carrasco from his days with the Indians. He needs a few starts. He's gonna need a few starts. He's gonna need a few starts. Unfortunately, you have to roll with those punches because who else are you throwing out there? You started the year off with Joey Lucchese as your fifth starter, and he got hurt. So, and he got hurt. So, and Tyler McGill has started to show his age. He's getting lit up now. And don't think Syndergaard's going to bail you out. He's going to be starting in relief. He's going to be in relief when he comes back. Syndergaard's going to be the closer. I'm just going to say this straight away. They are putting Syndergaard in the ninth inning. They do not trust Edwin Diaz. They did not get a closer. This is why. What we called the both of us, you specifically, Hmm. what you called earlier in the year is happening. You said, I could see Syndergaard as this team's closer. It could happen, ladies and gents. Thor could come in in the ninth role. inning and drop the hammer on some games. Maybe that could be his permanent role if it all if it all kind of pans out. I mean, we've seen starters become closers and they blossom in that role. John Smoltz, remember him? One of the best starters in the history of the game. And then one of the best relievers in the history of the game on top of it. There was another guy that he started as a bullpen guy. He started as a closer. As a rookie, he won the World Series in 2006, and he went on to become the anchor of a key of a rotation with the St. Louis Cardinals in Adam Wainwright. And then I'll give you another example. A young kid coming up in the Yankees organization as a starter comes up and starts, you know, throws to about a three ERA as a starter, moves to the bullpen and becomes the best closer in the history of baseball. Ladies and gentlemen, Mariana Rivera. So These guys are guys that could do it all, and maybe Noah Syndergaard comes in to fill that role. Anything's possible. But right now the Mets are in a gut-check moment right now. 13 games against the Giants and Dodgers consecutively. And right now the Mets are 0 for 4 to kick off this stretch. You know what, though? They haven't been blown away. No. They haven't been blown out. Well, they've been in these games minus that uh, Sunday night game, 14 to four. Well, yeah, but minus three that. out of the four of them, they've been in them. Yeah, they've been playing well. Two, in them the games. Just... Two of them were in extra innings. That's could have won both of them if they had gotten a key hit. You know what? So they're right there. They just need Lindor and Baez to come back. They need those bats in the lineup and they need those bats to swing well. You have to also not twiddle your thumbs and pray for them to come back. Other pieces of the lineup have not stepped up. Where is Pete Alonzo? Where's his bat? What's happened to Dom Smith? Dom Smith all year long has been a disappointment. What's happened to Jeff McNeil? Disappointment. What has happened to Brandon Nimmo? On and off hurt. Other than that, disappointment. What happened to good old James McCann? That is the Biggest duck I've ever seen. That might be that actually this actually might be almost as bad as Jason Bay. Well, the Mets got Jason Bay for four years. This might be almost as bad because in year one, I am thinking in my head, where the hell was Wilson Ramos? He at least got some freaking hits, but he was not a good defensive catcher. That was why Wilson Ramos ain't a Met no more. Yep. But here's the thing. James McCann is supposed to provide offense as well. 
He ain't doing it. He's doing it at the level of a backup catcher. And then the biggest disappointment of the year is Michael freaking Conforto, a hero from the 2015 playoff run where they got to the World Series. A lot of it was off the bat of Conforto. That's why New York has put up with this guy stinking up the joint for the past year and a half. Conforto was hitting 217 this year. You know what? That's about uh, 12 points up from where it was last week. Last week, it was like, what, 202, 205? Yeah, well, he wasn't hitting a lick. He was constantly striking out. Now he's actually starting to put some hits together. If he could do that, yeah. if Conforto could get going, then this team could actually start winning. Because, unfortunately, the Mets have built this team around the bats of Pete Alonso, Francisco Lindor, now the addition of uh, Baez, which I think will be permanent. I do think Cohen will sign him. And then Michael Conforto. You are depending on those four bats. Everybody else around them. Yeah, Jeff McNeil's great. Oh, yeah, everybody loves J.D. Davis. I don't know freaking why. I wish Keep that you were up. Off the this team. team is going nowhere. Keep that up and the Mets are going nowhere. You know, yeah. So McNeil Sorry. needs to hit. Conforto needs to hit. Conforto needs to turn his season around. If Conforto is in batting 250 by the end of this year, the Mets will not make the postseason. Pretty much the whole Met lineup, with the exception of two hitters, is hitting 250 or below. Not good. That's bad. Not they good. are in the they are in the bottom of the league in just about every offensive category, and this is since firing Chili Davis. Crazy. With that, I would like to thank. That's going to wrap up our four piece combo. I want to thank Crystal Arts for providing that four piece for us. I want to thank. Tony Mainville for providing us with our MLB top 10. I would also like to thank from our earlier edition of our digital market battle special. I want to thank Kenny Albert for joining us on our digital market edition. Please listen in to that episode. One of the best broadcasters in the business. Learn a lot about broadcasting from him. One of the best. Listen to that interview. Oh my goodness. Also want to thank Girl Friday, our producer, and now fill-in co-host on Tuesday. So you're definitely going to want to listen in for that. But you know what? We've got to get out of here. So for the Beast of the East, Jonathan Pariente. Hold on. Where can our listeners hear us? We did that in the beginning. Fine. Yeah, go ahead. 14. 14. 14. Where you can hear us. Anchor. Breaker. Spotify, Radio Public, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Castbox, Bullhorn, Podbay, Listen Notes, Podcast Addict, and Verbal. 14 platform grants, digital market battle specials episodes like this one every Tuesday, Wednesday. We are downtown sports. We are where sports come home. Digital Market Battles. Get your discovery call done today. www.digitalmarketbattles.com. For the Beast of the East, Jonathan Periente. I am the mouth of the South, John Giovanni, saying we're out. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.